Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sotastic Podcast. My name is Rasin Hindia. We have with us a very awesome guest today. Her name is Suchita Patel. And we wanted to bring her on because she has a very special perspective that I know is going to be very useful for a lot of people out there. She's a, a single mom raising two awesome kids and actually decided to teach them finances at an early age. So, Ruchita, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Good. How about you, Russian? Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know what? Before we start with anything else, why don't we do this? Let's start to know a little bit more about you, your background, your family. Please tell us more about you. Uh, sure. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Rashida. I live in Florida. I'm a single mom of two nine-year-old twin girls. Um, blessing, absolute blessing to have them. On my background, I have a master's degree and I work for an aerospace company. I am an integration program manager here. I mean, I live in Space Coast. Every other person you talk to kind of, you know, works for aerospace. <laughs> my background, I moved here uh, from India when I was 17 with my family. Um, my my mom was a teacher uh, for as long as I remember back in India. Uh, she taught kindergarten and first grade. And my dad was a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I say serial because, uh, you know, he had one of his businesses that he always had. But on the side, he always had uh, funded his dreams, per se, or his ideas. He was one of those. He would keep trying something and another. He would fail. And then he would take a little bit of time to mourn over it. And then he'll get back up and try something else. You know, if I remember it, like probably 11 to 12 different ventures that he may have tried, some small, some little bigger. Wow. And out of that, I've seen two succeed. One kind of took off and uh, other one made some money. So they were in complete failure. But rest of them were, you know. So it was interesting to uh, it was interesting to see how my dad recovered after every failure he had. I have to say, I, I actually uh, think it's an awesome thing that you grew up with a parent who taught you how to succeed through failures. It, it, what I've learned through life is you have to fail multiple times in order to find something that you're actually successful at. And the fact that you got to learn that from your dad firsthand, that's awesome. Now, let me ask you this. Why was it important for you to sow that financial knowledge in the first place? In your case, like, just help me understand your philosophy a little bit, please. So um, my parents are traditional Indian parents, right? They didn't believe that kids needed to know finances. Even though they both treated me and my, my older brother equally, they always thought that, you know, girls don't need to really know finances. And I never knew what the mortgage was or how what was interest rate on the mortgage or how much a car loan, how, how do you go get a car loan, right? Even though I drove a car before I got married. And after I got married, my ex... Uh, He's an ex now, but at that time he had the same philosophy that a man of the house would handle all the finances and female doesn't really need to know, kind of protected shelter, whatever the mental, the philosophy is there, right? Mm. And when I became a single parent, it, then I realized how little I knew, you know, how do you go get a car loan? You know, what is a good interest rate? You know, where do you begin from? Even as a young adult, right, fresh out of college, when I applied for a credit card for the first time and got one, I didn't know how to properly manage it. And I created somewhat of a little debt for me and it affected my credit score. And it took me a while to get my credit score up again, right? So I've just kind of learned a lot of my own and they were kind of harder. <laughs> and one of the quote I that has impacted me quite a bit from John Maxwell, he always talks about learning from an evaluated experience, right? Instead of just learning from an experience, he said that it would be better if you look at somebody else's experience and you can learn from it yourself instead of failing yourself and learning it that harder way. That has always impacted me. And I want to teach my girls how to be financially independent, regardless of 
the age they're at, right? I don't want them to learn the lessons that I learned in late 30s, <laughs> you know, when they're in their late 30s. I would rather have them have this knowledge. So let's say if one of them happens to be a serial entrepreneur like my father was, you know, by the time they graduate college or even when they're in the college, they would know how to go get a loan, you know, know how to build a good credit so you can get a loan and what an interest rate is. And, you know, what is a good interest rate? It's a stock market, you know, for the longest time, I didn't know how stock market worked or, you know, what, how, what, what happens to my 401k? I knew that I would, I had a 401k. I just didn't know how does it grow? How do you invest in it? So it was, then it became really important to me that my kids need to, my girls need to learn all of this at a young age so they don't struggle like I did. Okay. So I think that actually helps me understand why you started teaching in the first place. But what's your advice to parents that think, well, my kids don't need to learn anything because that's the way I grew up. They just need to focus on, you know, the, the typical STEM stuff, right? How do you fight that notion? I think STEM is important, but knowing how to run your household is even important too, right? You don't know what's going to happen to you. You may have created this amazing, you know, funds for your for your kids and your estate and whatnot, but you could be a millionaire and you could leave millions of dollars for your kid. But if you have never taught them on how to handle those millions mm -hmm. or how to manage those millions, they can make millions to zero really fast, right? Mm -hmm. So coming from that, yes, STEM is important, right? All of that is really important. But at the same time, they can earn a, a seven-figure income. But if they've never learned how to manage that income, then they would have to keep repeating earning the seven-figure income for the rest of their life, right? Mm -hmm. Versus if you teach them at a young age, you earn a seven-figure income and how do you make it into an eight-figure, you know, mm -hmm. out of that mm -hmm. seven-figure? That's where my thought process lies in that the kids these days, the world moves so fast. It sounds cliche because I used to laugh. My mother used to say that when I was young. Oh, you know, our, our world was different, but it is different. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's very different and it is going to be because of technology is going to be hundred times different by the time my kids are a teenager, you know, or into college, late teens in college. And once they come out of the college. Wow. Okay. So then uh, at what age did you start teaching your kids finances? I started when she was, when they were seven years old, I started learning a lot about stock market around that time when they were seven, because I didn't have a lot of knowledge. I wanted to know what happened to my 401k. So I'll be reading books or I'll be watching like a YouTube video or, you know, there it's some financial gurus that have amazing videos on YouTube that I'll be watching and trying to understand. And my daughter, one of them in particular, is very interested in, in learning about finances. She's very keen on learning how stocks work. Mm -hmm. So she would start asking me all these questions. And I realized, okay, she's really interested in it. Let me start teaching them. We did do little things for like a seven-year-old where, okay, here's, you know, you, you do your chores and here's your allowance and you put 20% of it to give and you put... 30% away to save and you can use your 50% to purchase things that you want to purchase. And, you know, mm -hmm. you kind of let them fail a lot of times because they would purchase things that, you know, is going to break tonight or, mm -hmm. you know, or it would go into trash two days later, but you kind of teach them those lessons too. But then she started asking a lot of detailed questions. What are stocks? How does it work? How does it benefit the company? Mm -hmm. And I took that as an opportunity and kind of set both of them down and showed them how stocks work. And, showed them that when you purchase your iPad, how does that help an Apple grow? Or versus when you purchase an Apple stock, you know, for the same cost of an iPad, well, I want to upgrade my iPad, is going to cost, let's say, $500 versus you invested that $500 in Apple stock. 
five years down the road, that $500 can become $800. And that just like blew her mind. Like, how is that possible? You know, Mm -hmm. how does that work? And that was really important because then she started applying that into everything that she started doing. So instead of taking that 50% of her allowance that she would get, you know, they get $10 a week, right? It's, it's, it's not a lot, but it's, it's something that to start them thinking on how to use money. Okay. Then she would start taking that $5 that she gets to spend. She started saving money out of that. I, like I noticed over probably eight, nine months mm-hmm. when she started t- turning about eight, she started realizing that every time I get that $5, I don't have to go blow that $5 away. And then she's like, so if I take this money, if I put it in the bank, because then we started talking about how bank works and, you know, how you get a small interest rate and why would they give you interest rate? And how do you, then she's like, well, wouldn't you want to look for a bank that gives you like most interest rate? I'm like, yes, you do. But then you have to look for stability of that financial institution too. So we kind of got into that conversation. Then she would say, okay, so if I take that $20 savings that I have, you know, that I didn't spend and the uh, other $18 that I've been saving of that 30% that we always save, if I put it into an actual bank account, would this money grow? Would it become like $50 at the Mm. end of the year? I said, no, it would not become $50, but maybe like you may earn like $2 at the most, you know, because you would keep adding. She's like, that's not a lot of money. But I said, imagine if the $2 was on the floor, would you bend down to pick it up? She's like, yes. I said, okay, so those $2 you didn't have. So that got her thinking and uh, she really wants to open a bank account. Okay. okay. So I've given her her goal. Let's save $250. So we okay. opened both of you a savings account starting at 250 In order to get that 250 they've come up with some ideas on how they're going to gain those $250. So they took about dollars out of both of them together, 10 each out of their allowance. And they bought rainbow, uh, rainbow loons. I don't know if you know what they are. They're little no. rubber bands. Okay. And girls or kids make bracelets out of them or yeah, like okay. yes, yes, yes. and things yes. like that, right? Yes. And okay. so now they're selling rainbow loops. So oh, wow. they go to their friend's garage sale and they put up small boot for themselves and they sell dollar each. What they do is 50 cents out of that is going to go to St. Jude's Children's Hospital because this is a cancer month. And the mm-hmm. 50 cents is what they're going to take into their put in their pocket. And they're hoping their goal by Christmas is to raise that $250, you know. So they've kind of become a little entrepreneurs. And wow. they're talking about maybe, you know, in summer, because it starts getting hot here around like March, April time frame. So they want to do uh, lemonade sand, you know, and make money out of that. So, yeah, hmm. a lot of lessons there. <laughs> wow. So wait, so, so if I, and I was taking notes while you were talking, while you were going through examples. So you're teaching them how to manage allowance. You're talking to them about bank, how to actually have a, you know, like a checking or savings account. You're telling them about stocks and investments. Um, you're, you're teaching them entrepreneurship, you know, the, the rainbow bands and it pretty soon lemonade stand. You're teaching them about, you know, how to save for charity. You're teaching them delayed gratification. Like you're teaching them multiple concepts. Anything else that, would be, that we haven't talked about that you're like doing practical things with your kids? One thing that I just started, they both of them have their own portfolios that I have I've had mm. for them for the last couple of years, and it's growing a little bit at a time. From last three months or so, I started showing them how money's going up and down in it and mm. how excited they get. Uh, you know, oh my God, Apple stocks went up. Look, I made this much money. I said, mm. you kind of made it. it. You can't touch, you can't spend that money right now. It has to sit there and grow. 
the whole purpose of this portfolio is by the time, you know, you're in your late, late teens or, you know, early 20s, by the time you come out of college, you have a substantial amount of money in that. And I'm hoping that by the time I've taught them enough on how to grow that further, that's something new that I started doing in the last two months, kind of started showing them so they get the excitement. And sometimes they get sad too, because there's some, you know, when the stock market kind of hit <laughs> kind of like a bottom few few weeks ago. You know, I, I saw their excitement go down as well. That's what I told them. It's okay. You know, these are something long-term investment and you just have to uh, do your research in the company. And she's like, so can I take my money that I have? And can you put that and buy me some more? I said, yeah, we can talk about it when you're a little bit older. You know, I think we're a little bit too young to make that decision on what you want to invest in. But yeah, we can definitely have that discussion. Okay. Okay. So, so you're making the choices on the stocks uh, that they invest in. Correct, whether it's Correct. blue chip or risk and risky stocks or you know stable stocks. So, but you're making as the parent the, that decision, right? Correct. What challenges did you run into as you were trying to teach them finances? Uh, any any challenges that you're still trying to figure out? And specifically, if they're learning how to invest money from their allowance, how how do you sort of fight that notion of well, oh my friends have you know X Y Z toy or dresses or shoes or whatever the case is. And I want to get that for myself. How do you fight that idea of comparing themselves to their peers? We do something called affirmations before we go to bed. And I've been mm -hmm. doing them since they were really young. But in the last two years, they've grown quite a bit. It used to be like a few lines that they can repeat after me. Now it has really grown. So I've started passively instilling in them that you don't have to compete with everybody else. You got to be happy with what you have. Uh, but it still comes, right? Uh, fortunately for me, they go to school where they have uniform. So we don't ever compare about clothes or shoes. This is what you wear. Everybody wears same, right? But it comes about, well, she's got this cool backpack now, you know? Or, well, she brought this. Now she has a Fitbit. Or when my friend has a phone, when can I get that, right? Mm. Can I use my money to go buy it? So then we talk about, you know, we go back to the, the drawing board of we don't have to, do we really have to have everything that everybody else has? Then imagine how full our house would be, right? Are you happy with what you have? You have an iPad, you can, it does all of the functions. How would you use it, right? I get her thinking into what would be your use of it. Mm. So then she started listing, well, I would be able to text my friends and I can take it to school and I can watch like YouTube, kids YouTube video if I want to watch it. So I said, okay, how, can you actually use that phone when you're in the school school? No, we're not allowed to, you know, we have to put our phones away. So I said, okay, when can you use it? Well, when I wait for you to come pick me up. Okay, so that's like five minute wait. So five minute every day, right? And then when you come home, she's like, I said, okay, but the iPad does the same thing that the phone would do, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, okay, so now you're saying 25 minutes a week would be exciting because somebody else has a phone that would do a little different function than what an iPad would do. It's smaller, it's more compact. $25, 25 minutes a week, $1,100 for an iPhone. Do you tell me, is it worth it? Imagine how long will it take you to save up $1,100 if you were to use your money, okay? And once it's gone, and then so we did the math. So it came to about like, they will have to work for over two years. Oh, wow. Save up that money. And I said, two years worth of work for a phone. Do you really want it? And she really got thinking. And she's mm -hmm. like, that's a lot of time, mommy. I said, yes. Yeah. It's 104 weeks. Mm -hmm. And her eyes just got really big, right? So I just kind of put it into a concept of, you want this. I understand. This is mm -hmm. what it's going to take you to. Do you really want it? Is it still worth it? Are you still thinking about it? 
you think it's good value, you know? So that's what has worked so far. I'm sure when they're a little bit older, I'll have to come up with a different strategy. Mm. We'll, we'll deal with it <laughs> there when we get when there. When we get there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it took a bit in the beginning, especially for the smaller things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if you were to go to Target, like it had become a thing. Well, I got my own money. I'm going to go buy it with my own money, right? Mm-hmm. It's my, my money. I earned it. You can't say no. And that's like one of the things they, they ask me first. So when you say that 50% that I can spend, I can really spend it, right? Like I don't have to go get a permission from you to go spend that money. I said, no, it's your money. You did the work, you earned it, you go spend it. So, but I can help you make wise decisions. You know, if I think that you can, if you come and ask me, hey, mommy, what do you think? I'll tell you my honest opinion. You may not like it. So in the beginning, there happened multiple times where, you know, they would they would go, I mean, they're kids, right? So it takes longer for them to get over their earth, like their intense urge of purchasing something, that instant gratification. And for the first few weeks when we were working with, you know, we don't always have to go spend that $5 that you have, they would still go spend it, right? And then she would realize that, oh, my wallet is empty. I don't have that $5 anymore. It happened multiple times where they bought a small toy for $5 or went to the dollar section that they have at Target and would buy some stuff and it would break or they wouldn't care for it after an hour because it was shiny and exciting in the beginning or they lost it. Like it has happened so many times she would buy a keychain and they'll she'll take it to school the next day and she'll get so excited and then it's gone. She can't find it. So after like that happening multiple times, probably like month and a half, two months in a row, I, I started teaching them. Remember, we bought this three weeks ago. After you bought it, like an hour later, you realize, oh, I don't really care for it. I would have rather have my $5 back in my wallet. It felt good to have that money in the wallet, right? Instead of having an empty wallet. So little by little, they started catching on. Okay, you know, it kind of does feel good to have money in the wallet instead of mm-hmm. having that shiny new keychain or the pen that colors five different ways, you know, because I have I have those already. Mm-hmm. And so it did take a little bit. And it, as a parent, it was really hard to see them, let that money go, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I really had to bite my tongue and say, oh, I really wanted to see you're wasting your money. It's going to break or you're going to lose it or you won't care for it. But I really had to let them fail, you know, and let them learn on their own. It took a bit, but they they learned it. Wow. Okay. And did you reward them along the way? Like, do you have any sort of like reward system to um, incentivize wise choices that they that you want them to make? I give them a lot of verbal rewards, you know, uh, instead of giving them things, you know, because then they get dependent on that, right? But mm. we we talk about it. Hey, that was a great decision you made. Uh, look, you're getting older and you're making wiser decision. I'm so proud of you. And then I would tell them why it was a good decision, right? That yes, it must be really hard for you not to buy that toy, but you didn't. And look, you got money in your pocket. Doesn't it feel good to have money in the pocket? You knowing that maybe next week you would have $10 now instead of five. And now you can buy something that's a little bit better, sturdier, something that you want. That's what my reward for them is more verbal. You know, say, hey, wow. that was amazing what you did instead of giving them things. And I can see how this helps them internalize what you're teaching them. Because at the end of the day, what we've learned is kids that are younger than 10 years old, sometimes the knowledge you're trying to teach them, they retain for a very short amount of time. The way you're talking them through how you would think about it. It definitely makes it part of their being, who they are. I think that's an awesome job that you're doing as a parent. So that's awesome. Thank you. You know, obviously you mentioned that um, you're raising your kids as a single mom. You're you're teaching them 
uh, that financial mindset and those financial habits. I'm sure their father is also teaching them some things. I'm sure there may be some times that you and the father may not be teaching the exact same thing. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, we do have very different opinions on how kids' finances should work or how much should they know. You know, he's, he believes that, you know, we don't need to really save for kids' college. When they grow older, if they want to go to college, you know, they're smart enough, they'll get a loan and go, right? Mm-hmm. Versus I took those loans and I knew exactly how hard it was to pay them off, right? How long it took me. Versus if I had a launch pad right after when I graduated, I would have been maybe better financial situation. If we do have a differing opinion, but he does teach them how to save. You know, he's a saver. He he, and I am the risk taker. You know, I'm one of those who would say, okay, I'll save maybe 30% of my income and the rest of it, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to invest it somewhere. You know, I'll do my due diligence and invest. But then maybe I got that from my father. You know, my dad was that way. He would have a little bit of his saving that he knew that would keep him comfortable for six months to a year if something were to happen to his business and keep all of us comfortable. But the rest of it, he always like invested and, you know, see how he can make more out of it. So that's that's the philosophy I always see. My dad put it in practice and my brother is similar way. My brother owns a couple of businesses and he has a similar philosophy versus, you know, my girl's dad, he's very much a saver. He always believes in save, save, save. It's good. You know, the kids need to learn how to save as well. And I appreciate that he teaches that. So, but when they're with me, you know, we talk about a lot of stock market or what happened today. I try not to step on his toes, you know, let him do what he does. You know, we talked about, Obviously, as a parent, every every parent will always want to teach their kids good values, right? I don't think that him teaching kids how to save or not having to have every single thing under the sun is a bad thing. We try not to step on each other's toes. He understands where I'm coming from and, you know, what I want to do for them. And he appreciates that. And I can appreciate that he teaches them how to save and learn to live with minimum things. You know, you don't have to have gazillion toys. Wow. Okay. Okay. So what I'm hearing is that both of you have different mindset, different philosophies, right? Some of those things that you don't agree on, it's okay. You do try to see the other parent's perspective. Um, Do you actually talk your kids through how you would think about it versus how they're being taught? Do Do you teach them where you may be a little different in thinking? Not yet. I think my kids are a little too young to discuss mm. how our teachings differ, but I'm sure kids pick them up as they're older, right? As they grow mm. older. We try not to discuss other parents mm. in front of kids, you know, because then one way or another, you're trying to basically say that their views are different than mine. You know, you don't want to taint them in any way by saying, because wow. it's different, it's wrong, right? Mm. So we don't talk about other parents or how they do things or how things are done there. But I do talk to him personally and we talk about, you know, hey, here's the boundaries that I've set in my house. Can we keep it consistent? And same thing, he would say, okay, this is what we started doing something new. You know, now they're doing their own laundry. Let's keep it consistent. So uh, we communicate on that that, and kind of keep it clean between us and kids are not involved in that conversation. Wow. And you know what? That's very mature of you guys. And it, it does take that maturity sort of work in unison with each other and not always be butting heads. So that's awesome. That, that's amazing of you guys. Okay. Now that you are teaching them, now that you're seeing them do some practical things, what are some benefits that you're seeing being realized in your kids as a result of, you, of your teachings? I would say like after two or three years of finally teaching, like the greatest, I think um, as a parent, you would probably 
uh, agree with it too. When your when your kid repeats what you've been teaching them to another kid or somebody else in front of you, right? You're like, oh my god, it's finally sunk in, right? Yeah. So I can see them starting to understand it and starting to convey that message to some of their friends. You know, so when we go to this, some of these garage sales to sell their bracelets, uh, they interact with a lot of kids, right? And sometimes, like I've heard, I've seen one of my child say that to another kid who wanted to you know, blow all of his pocket money and buying a gazillion different bracelets because they were so all shiny and so pretty and she couldn't make a decision. And this was, I think, a six or seven-year-old kid, a little girl. And my daughter said, are you sure you really want to spend your all your allowance on just bracelets? They're just oh, bracelets, wow. you know. You can buy two and wear one on what you want each, each wrist and they'll still be pretty. But guess what? You spend $10, your money would be gone. Just spend two, just buy two. And use the eight dollar for something else. My my chest kind of doubles, you know. Such wow. a proud woman that I've been yeah. teaching this for so long, and now she's actually taking that and teaching to somebody younger than her. And that kid actually listened, you know. And I was I was so happy. She didn't feel greedy, like oh, you're making ten dollars in sale right now, you know. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was a very proud moment. That's amazing. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. What do you have some things planned for the future as they continue? you know, growing and understanding more about money, what are some things that uh, you're planning to do with them? The near near future plan is to get them a savings account, something they can actually see with their eyes, right? Instead of right now, they're young, so they like counting money. They like counting like, oh, look how many dollar bills I have or how many fives I have. But as they grow a little bit older, I want them to see how the account grows, right? Mm -hmm. That you can take this money or let's say, you know, you went to Nana's house and then I gave you $20, you know, like in Indian culture, they always, you know, like to hand out like five, 10 tiers. And they say, you can take that money. Let's go put it in the bank yourself and see what it looks like when your account goes from $250 to $270. And then, you know, over a year, how much you grew, right? So that is a near future plan. And uh, one of my child who's extremely interested in stocks and she constantly asks for it, you know, I'm going to let her play with the paper money for mm. a few years and see okay. how she does with it. And does she do her own research? She's one of those researcher, you know, mm. um, she teaches herself a lot of things like this bracelet things that she wanted to do. She went and taught herself. She watched tons of YouTube videos and she figured out how to make some special things so she can make more money out of it. Right. Because if mm. you know, nobody else makes it, Everybody makes bracelets, but nobody makes like super cool charm bracelets out of it. So she can charge more for it. I can teach her how to do a little bit of research on a company. What do you look for? You know, how do you read a financial statement of a company? Just like a really high level. She doesn't have to know all the details that I learned in my MBA class, but just a really high level. And what are the key indicators that you look for? You know, here's our, here are some Fortune 500 companies that you know has done really well and has a good future. How about you play paper money with that company stock and see how well you do? So those are the two main things that I'm looking forward to as they grow a little bit older. Wow. Okay. How are you seeing differences from one child to the other? The way they capture what you're teaching them. Is it different? Is it similar? Like, help me understand that a little bit, please. Yeah, both my kids are night and day, right? So one is extremely logical and practical. Um, and she likes using big words and she understands big words. And with her, I can just tell her how it is. And I wouldn't have to sugarcoat. I wouldn't. I do not have to put it in kid language. She may, uh, if she doesn't understand a word, she's like, "What does it mean?" And I, if I explain it, she gets. It. You know, it sticks to her. Like you tell her one time, and if she had, if if you had her full attention, she got it. You don't ever have to repeat it. But the other one, she's more like 
you know, in her own world, a little kind of dreamy, but extremely neat and clean freak and very, very organized. She knows exactly where her things are. Uh, with her, I had to kind of get it down to the kid's language, you know, maybe uh, simpler words, simpler sentences. You know, we do a lot of whiteboarding with her. You know, I have to put it down into, this is what it looks like. This is what it is. Here's the numbers. And she understands it that way, right? She's extremely visual. The other one, you talk to her, she gets it. This mm -hmm. one is very visual. You got to break it down for her, show it how it works once in order for mm -hmm. her to understand it. She is the one who's a saver, by the way, the one who's oh, very wow. organized. She believes okay. in saving every little thing that she's got, including money. Oh, she would mm -hmm. save pennies. While the other one is like, okay, I saved my money. Now I'm going to take this and I'm going to go spend it. Or, <laughs> you know, I... I told you I was going to save money to buy me this Lego set. I have $50. Let's go get it. You know, while the other one's like, well, I know I wanted a $50 Lego set. But what if I save a little bit more? I can get a $100 Lego set, you know? Wow. Sometimes it becomes a pattern for her where she'll never buy anything that she wants. And her delayed gratification keeps getting delayed. So I have to teach her. It's okay. <laughs> indulge in what you want. It's okay to buy it. You know, so I have to wow. teach her. So that's how they're very different. <laughs> Wow. And uh, do, do you see the interaction between both kids in trying to help the other understand their perspective? Yes, absolutely. The one who's a saver, she keeps reminding her sister, you know, if you don't buy this right now for $25, Mehak, you know, you can save more money. And two months down the road, you would have so much money and you can get that bigger set. And the other one say, I'm happy buying this thing for $25. <laughs> I've been saving it. I knew exactly what I want. I'm going to enjoy what I have, you know? So wow. they kind of give each other a little bit of both sides that it's okay to enjoy. And at the same time, it's okay to save. Wow. They, they sound like very mature kids. That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. So it, it brings us to our very last question that I always love asking my kids. If you could turn back time and talk to your kid self, what advice would you give her about financial thought process? Ooh, uh, financial thought process. I would give her a lot of advice, obviously. I would tell her to start learning how the finances works. You know, how does the bank work? How do you get a loan? How do at, you... At, at, at what age? At what age? In middle school. Somewhere mm. around like 13, 14, when I started understanding the concept of money. My parents never gave me allowance, but, you know, we would go visit my grandma or, you know, my nana. And she would always give a little bit of money for like special occasions like Diwali or you something special workshop and then the money that I got during those times and when you're a little bit older and you're you're obviously your cousins are older at that time too so you end up getting a little bit more money instead of like you know a couple rupees I, I think around 13 14 I will tell myself to start learning how finances work and and you know how do you put money into the bank and what happens to your money when it goes into the bank I would go back again when I was just starting college and I would tell my college self Start learning, start building your credit. If you get a credit card, how do you use a credit card? How, why is it important to make payments on time? And, you know, credit card is not free money. <laughs> you know, it's eventually you're the one who's going to end up paying for it. So those are the two important lessons I would go tell my kids out. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Rajita. You've been amazing. I, I think what you're teaching your two daughters, you are definitely modeling amazing mindset for them. But the way you're teaching them, I think it's also teaching them how to learn from each other as well. So I think you're doing an awesome job. Thank you so much for bringing some valuable knowledge that I know a lot of people are going to use. So thank you again. Thank, thank you for, for having us. me on the show. Thank you. The ideas, techniques, approaches, information, and opinions expressed in this video or podcast 
are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Sotastic LLC and its employees. While the primary purpose is to educate and inform, it does not constitute professional advice or services. We hope, however, that the content presented here will assist you in developing a strong financial understanding and mindset. You may not edit, modify, copy, or redistribute this video or podcast with any other website, computer, or playing device. Use of this video or podcast constitutes acceptance of these terms.